Praise the Lord. We welcome you to our live broadcast this Sunday, April 18, 2020. Shall we pray? Our Father and our God, we come before your throne of grace in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for your countenance to shine upon all who are hearing or watching this broadcast today. We pray, O oh Lord our God, that you speak to us, that your words will have cause to do that for which your purpose. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ on everyone, both those of us in the ministry and those who are speaking to your people and to those who are hearing the message. Thank you, our Father and our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. We continue with our series. We encourage you, of course, to subscribe to our YouTube. It's on the board. We have so many good teaching videos for you to access and use for ministry. We continue with our series, Did the Holy Spirit Help Our Teacher and Guide? When we move straight to the 13th topic, which corresponds to the 13th week, which is the World Faith Movement pollutes and dissolves Pentecostalism. That's today's topic. The outline, introduction. Two, it's no longer Pentecostalism, but the World Faith Movement. Three, the World Faith Movement, what it means, or what they stand for. Four, wealth and health is another gospel, meaning it's not God's word. Read that, please. God is looking for those who believe his word, study his word, act on his word, and live according to his word. Praise the Lord. Introduction. Last week we spoke about how the fractiousness or the divisiveness that caused the Azusa revival to end. And how that continued in the groups that emerged from the revival. Meaning the division continues, the bickering continued. We also spoke on the progression from that revival to tent meetings and from there to denominations and erection of buildings called churches. And from there we went on to hear about radio broadcasts and then to TV broadcasts. And then the emergence of what we now call televangelists, those who use television to preach. In today's broadcast, we're going to speak about the word faith movement. We will contend that the world faith movement's doctrines are not biblical. We will then speak how the doctrines of the world faith movement led to the wealth and health gospel, or what many people have termed the prosperity gospel. Though the World Faith Movement came into Pentecostalism as an insurgent group, meaning it came from outside, it eventually took it over. 
So what goes on as Pentecostalism today is actually world faith movement cloaked with a garment of Pentecostalism. It just has a name of Pentecostalism, but in truth it's the world faith movement. In effect, Pentecostalism you hear today are really worldly prosperity church organizations or wealth and health church organizations. That is not the Pentecostalism of the 1906 Azusa Street Revival. And what content this insurgent movement would have never found a home, meaning it could have never been accepted in Pentecostalism. Had the Holy Spirit been present in those factional churches? Had they not been bickering? Had they listened to the Holy Spirit? They would have known it was an insurgent movement sent in from the pits of hell to come and destroy God's word and God's children. In their bid to outdo one another, fashionable Pentecostal leaders, having rejected the Holy Spirit, because the moment you do not do the things that God wants you to do, the Holy Spirit will no longer be there because you have rejected him as teacher, helper, and guide. So when they rejected the Holy Spirit, these fashionable leaders embraced the doctrines of the World Faith Movement. Even though those doctrines were so strange and so fantastical, so unbelievable, that one must wonder, how could anyone have fallen for them? But we wonder no more because we know because the Holy Spirit was absent in their lives. So they embraced this plant from the enemy. Number two, the World Faith Movement. We now say, want to address what does it really mean? Or what does it stand for? What is World Faith? In simple terms, it means name it. The word, name it, speak. Two, claim it by what they define as faith. Those who started what came to be known as the World Faith Movement thought that words pronounced with conviction will bring them into reality. So when we speak whatever we want, desire, it will, we can bring it to reality by just speaking it and believing it will happen. All you have to do is speak things into existence if you have faith in the words you have uttered and the things will materialize. How did they start? They needed to bring God down to the level of human beings. Yes. After establishing the quality of human beings with God, the same way the devil remembers Lucifer wanted to have his throne even above God, they then attacked the meaning of faith. So what most people today know as faith is not really faith. For these leaders of the world faith movement, God is able to create, make the unreal to become real because God has faith. <laughs> Think about that. God has faith. That's why he brings things to happen. God speaks and it comes to pass because he has faith. So they teach and so many have believed. So human beings with faith can also speak just like God, and bring those things what, into reality. So we're equal to God. 
let us look at these two wicked teachings in some detail because for me they're wicked number one human beings are in the same class as god yeah if god speaks and it happens how you speak it happens then i mean where, where and god are the same right human beings are constituted of three parts spirit soul and body the doctrine biblically sanctioned known as trichotomy but the warfare teachers say no the spirit is the real person so the soul and body are not there right the spirit is the real person and because god is spirit that is why we and god are the same level this teaching is so unbiblical that is his force and it's what we call in theology or philosophy as ontologically false meaning the nature of being and relationship of beings to each other that's what ontology means that means that we and god are in the same class of being wow and i want to assert scripturally no beings angels or humans can be in the same class as god because god by the very nature of being god is beyond all of his creation philosophically creator and creation cannot be in the same category number two faith the word faith teachers claim that faith is a creative force you see that human beings and god used to bring what is not existing into reality yeah, see because it's a creative force so they say faith is so faith is a creative force in human beings in you and i we have a creative force called faith because god also has what faith which is also a creative force in god if it sounds so wicked and evil it is they claim that human beings can call into a being what doesn't exist in the same way that god did or does the idea that god has faith is so outlandish i mean it is it is so blasphemous and yet many pastors and overseers of today have embraced this wicked doctrine i want you to hear what leaders past and present said about god having faith the names could be found if you go to our website we have a book stewards of the kingdom but today let's just for the purpose of this enumerate some of the things they said about faith these are by Tom of your top Pentecostal in quote leaders number one the God kind of faith is the kind of faith that spoke the world into existence God created the universe with words words filled with faith are the most powerful things in the entire world it's no longer God it's words filled with faith another one said God is a faith being <laughs> wow and God does not do anything outside of faith. Another one said, God is a faith God. God releases his faith in words. Man is created in the image of God, and therefore man releases his faith words in words. Please read the next. This is taken from Bowman's The Word Faith Controversy. To sum it up, word faith asserts that faith is the power or force 
that works according to immutable spiritual laws through the agency of spoken words to bring into reality what the person believing and speaking wants. Praise the Lord. In a word, everything that the World Faith Movement pastors and televangelists have said, they are all false. They are totally unbiblical. And yet that is what is taught and believed by so many. Please note, God cannot have faith. Saying God has faith means that God has someone greater than God. And that is blasphemy. The faith of God's children, that's your faith and my faith, is not in a vacuum. It is a belief in God, the creator, to hear us when we pray and grant what we ask when they conform to his will. So we are looking up to God. We have faith in God. God means having trust in God. Not in our words. Faith does not come about because God's children possess the force of faith. The scripture never speaks of faith as a force or some other power. Simply belief and trust in God. Biblical faith trusts God completely. And those who trust God show it through obedience to his commands. That's the only way you show that you trust God. Biblical faith does not put confidence in persons or things, but in God. God alone determines an outcome, and not human beings making the request. Determination to grant your prayer request, my prayer request, lies solely with God. The idea that human beings can use their words to make the unreal, that means what is not existing, to become real, is, is a doctrine from hell. That's the short answer to it. Because the only person who can make the unreal or the non-existent to become real or existent is God. Even the devil doesn't have that power. First scripture, please. I read from Romans chapter 4, verse 17b. God, who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Praise the Lord. Look at that. That's the scripture. Do you see there where it says human beings who can give life to the dead and call things to come to pass? If you didn't, please tell those world faith teachers who today are worldly prosperity teaching pastors that are wrong. The third thing that that was prayers. According to what faith teachers, believers should not pray if it be thy way. Meaning by the time you've made the request, they say, Lord, not my way, but let your will be done. Because they claim that we know from scripture it is God's will to save us, forgive us, heal us, and prosper us. Where prosper is worldly prosperity. Not that. They declare that believers should confess their desires using verses from the scripture. And what they have believed and confessed will be theirs by faith. Accepting this teaching would imply that the Lord Jesus Christ was praying the wrong kind of prayer against Simani, where he prayed to the Father in this manner. Next scripture, please. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Praise the Lord. 
The Lord Jesus Christ knew God's will on that matter. That he prayed this prayer is instructive. We must never take God for granted. And while on earth, he didn't take his father for granted. We must never be arrogant or presume that God must do what we ask for. All things are in God's hands. Only God has a final say on any matter. What is in a believer's hand, that's your hand and my hand, is to trust and obey God and to be in fellowship with Him through prayers, meditative study of the scriptures and holy living. Because God loves having fellowship with His children. And then through those fellowships, you communicate. Rather than enjoy our fellowship with God, most of us have been taught to convert that most intimate of time with God to one of pouring out our complaints and asking for goodies. Many times we never ask God what he would have us to do in difficult circumstances. If we asked, God would really help us to discern his will. But we will not because we have determined what we want and God must hear us. So we are taught. Only God grants or refuses our petitions. Many times it's perceived no answer could really be an answer. Next scripture, please. I read from Romans chapter 8, verse 26 to 27. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Praise the Lord, the words are self-evident. Let's go to the next item. It is no longer Pentecostalism today, but the World Faith Movement. Next scripture, please. The reach from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 to 12. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Praise the Lord. The scripture we just heard shows what happens when God's children are in disobedience. It also shows why those outlandish doctrines of the World Faith Movement were swallowed hook, line, and sinker by the factional Pentecostal leaders. They were bickering and creating empires, and the Holy Spirit was no longer there. So they were able to accept everything they heard. After Azusa, they had rejected the Holy Spirit. And so they saw this delusion and they believed it and God allowed it. Because the children have rejected him. That's the only explanation why factional Pentecostal leaders believed and accepted the doctrines of the World Faith Movement taking their followers along. And when they did believe, it took over Pentecostalism. Meaning it's no longer Pentecostalism you have. The tragedy is that many years later in our time, Hundreds of millions of those who say that Pentecostals 
continue to espouse the doctrines of the world faith movement, even though they're heretical, they are wicked, they're evil, they're from the pits of hell. Many call themselves Pentecostals without knowing that the, so, the 21st century Pentecostalism has nothing in common with Pentecostalism whose origins began at Azusa Street. How can anyone with the Holy Spirit equate the Pentecostalism at Azusa with the 21st century Pentecostalism that has been taken over by the World Faith Movement? Whose doctrines are so anti-God and anti-Christ? Those who don't see those doctrines for what they are, if you're a believer, you must re-examine your relationship with God. Three, wealth and health gospel is another gospel. The World Faith Movement gave pastors and Jews. That should be the next. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. No, no, Pastor. Yeah, right. Please. Sorry. My numbering was wrong. The World Faith Movement gave pastors and Jews what they needed to, to collect money from their followers. They used those unbiblical teachings to preach health and wealth. That's why they loved those doctrines. In the buildings called churches today, only prosperity teaching pastors ask their followers to go to the Bible, search out the verses on healing and on wealth, and whatever is the desire, like spouse, you know, God will create your spouse for you, fruit of the womb, etc. Use verses of the scripture. Prosperity or wealth and help pastors teach that because faith-filled words are powerful. Remember, see the connection. How it got polluted. It follows that by confessing positively, using those verses, one can have healing, financial or material prosperity. See it. Name it, claim it. Speak, comes to pass. That's the basis of the worldly prosperity teaching today in your churches. But they will not tell you that. This teaching promotes the idea that believers have the ability to create the object of their desires with words. In this context, they encourage believers to visualize. Imagine it, visualize. And visualization is an occult practice, please. Visualize those things you desire and it will come to pass. The emphasis is always on wealth and health because they know that's what will bring people into their churches. Really, do you hear them teach about building a relationship with God? On wealth, these pastors tell their congregation that God has to bless his children with money so they can carry out his work on earth. People have to be sent and catered for in the mission field, so the church needs money. Buildings must be erected to attract more people, you know, so they can believe and accept Christ. And money, of course, is always needed for these activities. It's always about money. It's always about money. All they go do is go to the Bible, tell us to support the claim of health and wealth. Nothing more. And that's why people are flocking to these places. Hundreds of millions are being deceived. They are in apostasy. They are not serving God. They ask you to claim the verses of praise of God in the Bible and hold God accountable. Wow. They think that God is bound to keep his promises. You know, he has to. He, is going, he must keep his promises. But they don't tell you that you and I must first obey God. These pastors have mutilated God's word on prosperity. Worldly prosperity has supplanted eternal life and God's presence. 
What do prosperity doctrines fly in the face of so many teachings on what biblical prosperity actually means for God's children? Let us take the lost story about Lazarus and the rich man. Who do you think was prosperous? Was it Lazarus or the rich man? I contend, using the scriptures, that Lazarus was a prosperous one even while on earth, while the rich man was a poor one. Why? Because the prosperity of Lazarus while on earth was his relationship with God. And the poverty of the rich man on earth was his lack of relationship with who? God. So whoever has no relationship with God on this earth is poor. And whoever is poor on this earth but has relationship with God is rich. Lazarus was a prosperous one even though by war standard he was the poorest. But the rich man was a poor one actually because viewed from eternal life. No, he was a poor man. 1800 years and then he ends up in what? Christ's eternity. How many, how many often do you think religious leaders would have loved that rich man for his wealth? They go to his house for feasts, you know. He gives them money to abuse synagogues and churches, who knows? They could have prophesied all the time about this great man. And when he died, can you imagine the number of people who attended the rich man's burial? Yes! But there was no one to bury Lazarus. Oh yes. But angels of God came to bury him and take him up here to heaven. Or at that time to Abraham's bosom. The death of the rich man was celebrated on earth. But the rich man, as he's been celebrated on earth, was what? A torment in Hades. So that's why Lazarus was a rich man. Even while poor on earth. And that goes for you and I today. If you don't have a relationship with God, you're poor. God knows what you and I need. He has given us skills, every one of us. Talents. Some are great in carpentry. Some are good with their hands. Welding. In artistic words. Some are good in sports. Some have the ability to record and analyze matters. God expects the children to use what he has given them to do the work of the kingdom. And what is God's work? Preach the gospel. Live in accordance with the gospel and walk in such manner that no one will have anything against you except being hated for being a child of God. That's all. You should be hated, not loved. Some may be richer, even on this said than other people. That's by world standards. As an example, Barnabas was richer than many of the other brethren in the early church. Paul was very skilled in tent making and he was feeding his followers. Some will be poor. But when I reach your poor in between, blind, therefore dumb, God wants you to be contented at all times because you have a relationship with him. He watches out for the ones with the least talents among us. But he knows that he has given everyone enough talent to run the race and finish successfully. Praise the Lord. Last us the beggar. Yes. He never caused God one day. He never bemoaned the situation. He continued, I'm sure, praising God in his heart. Each of us have a pathway to run the race successfully. Try to run in another man's pathway, another woman's pathway, leads to disaster. Don't desire my path, and I don't desire your path. 
the pathway God has prepared for me is the best for me to be successful. The pathway he has prepared for you is the best for you to be successful. I may be a toe in the body of Christ. And you may be a finger. I can't do what you can do. And you can't do what I can do. Each of us has a function to perform in the body of Christ. So don't desire to be a toe because I'm a toe. And I don't desire to be a finger because he's a finger. But none of us is the head. I know many of the leaders have tried to be that. And they have made a shipwreck of their faith and those of their followers. We must do what the one who has purchased us asks us to do. The fact that someone in your congregation is rich by worldly standards does not mean that he or she is a child of God. He may be like that rich man who ended up in Hades. And the fact that someone in your congregation, maybe even the person is begging outside, is poor, does not mean that she is not a child of God. She may have a relationship greater than that of any person in the whole world. Nobody said don't give. But we are saying, your life and all you have belong to the purchaser who purchased your life. Let him tell you what to do with the resources he has put in your care. It's not for yours. When somebody shouts on the pulpit, yes, give and God will bless you and you shout and go and give out of greed. You are disposing an income that doesn't belong to you. It's not for anyone to tell you but him who owns everything in your life, what you will do with his belongings, both your life and your wealth. God may even ask you one day to give up everything, including your life. And another, he may say, nothing. But often he asks us to forgo our idols, those things that we hold so dear. He's testing our love for him. Remember the rich young ruler? Money was his idol. That's why the Lord said, go and sell everything and give to the poor. And of course he didn't, because that was his idol. Anything including your life, placed above God, is an idol. Please listen to the Holy Spirit. He is on earth to guide us and to enable us to live profitably for God. And he is the only true teacher. Only the Holy Spirit. Don't envy the next person. Don't desire the, another person's gifts or life or ministry. Remain in the calling that God has called you. And allow the Holy Spirit to lead you at all times. Be content with what, where God has placed you. The word faith movement denatured every doctrine of the Bible. God, faith, prosperity. And it was the United States of America that exported that evil doctrine to the rest of the world. They polluted the world with their false doctrines, like the whole Babylon, the Bible said. They have all drank from that wine of wickedness. And churches to that field everywhere. All wanting God to give them this, give them that. Nobody talks about holiness. Forsake sin. Live righteously. No. It's all about money. That's what America has done to the world. That's why I contend I believe that America is really the mystery Babylon. Everyone wants to 
wants to give their life to God today because they want to become rich. Everyone wants to become born again because they believe that's the way to become rich. The Holy Spirit is your guide. He's your teacher and your helper. In your closet, please go in and see if these things are not true. Jesus Messiah, that's our song today. Jesus Messiah, he became sin, who knew no sin, that you and I might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the cross. Love so amazing. Love so amazing. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Messiah, name above all names, Blessed Redeemer Emmanuel. The rescue for sinners, the ransom that came down from heaven, Jesus the Christ. Lord of all, thank you, Jesus. His body is a bread. His blood is a wine. Broken and poured out all for love of you and I who were in disobedience. The whole earth trembled and the veil of the temple was torn because he wants you and I to now come into the Holy of Holies and worship his Father. Love so amazing. Love so amazing. Jesus Messiah. Name above all names, blessed Redeemer Emmanuel. The rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Father God, confirm that you sent me in the hearts of everyone who has had this message. Lord, confirm it by signs and wonders in their lives as they hear your voice or see your form, O oh God. Father, I'm praying and I'm interceding on behalf of so many who have been deceived in the multi-millions in the whole world, who have embraced wicked and stupid and evil doctrines. All that have gone to prompt them to live where they ought to be. The cross for the world. Help them, Lord. Help them, Lord. And as they hear, Lord, put in their hearts to become evangelists, to become those who preach the gospel because somebody has to take it to others. They should stop listening and know, Lord, but act on your word as you put them in their closets, Lord. And when they go out, Father, confirm every word that comes from them by signs and wonders also, Lord. Bless their homes and bless their families. And may the enemy not in any way touch any of them. And all you said, who have you been put in your hands, Lord Jesus? You said, none shall be taken away. May that be the Lord of all who will accept and embrace this message today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, dear Father in heaven. For in Jesus' name we are prayed. 
May the peace of the Lord be with you all. I'll see you people next Sunday by God's grace. Please study the scriptures. Do the work of evangelists. Thank you.